Turn up your volume. Because you're about to listen to The Sick Podcast. With Tony Maradero. 55 seconds left in the penalty, a minute and 27 seconds left in regulation time. Boston 4, Montreal 3. Lafleur coming out rather gingerly on the right side. He gives it into Lemaire back to Lafleur. Oh! The sickest Montreal Canadiens podcast. <laughs> You're in the ball. Sports entertainment like no other. Rejoint, on lui fait perdre la rondelle une passe devant. Et c'est la victoire des Canadiens. You found the dogs. John, you found the dogs. He found the dogs! And all together, they worked the young team to the top. And now, a 24th Stanley Cup banner will hang from the rafters of the famous forum in Montreal. The Canadians win the Stanley Cup! Brought to you by Energy Transportation Group. Driven to be different. TV. Embrace your true nature. And Playground. Your premier gaming destination. It's going to be sick. Marinero, the sick podcast. And you're watching on YouTube Live, Facebook Live, and Twitter Live. And I thank you very much for doing so. I also thank our partners, one of which is Energy Transportation Group, recently named by Deloitte and CIBC. It's one of Canada's best managed companies the country's leading business award, recognizing innovative and world-class companies. The best managed Canadian companies designation fuels energy's purpose of creating progress for their customers, their employees, and their communities. Join a winning team and check out energy's career page for available opportunities. Uh, don't miss out on uh, playgrounds, August million poker series from August 23rd to September 4th with $1 million in guaranteed prize pools seven championship ring events, and a $600,000 guaranteed main event located just over the Mercier Bridge, only minutes from downtown Montreal Playground, and also brought to you by La Bit at TV. Brewed in Quebec, a winner of a dozen international awards, La Bit at TV offers quality microbrewery beers made with premium ingredients for everyone's taste. La Bit at TV, embrace your true nature. This is the first time that um, you're going to be able to see or you will have seen Tim Turk on the Sick Podcast. I have talked to Tim before in the past, all of which was on radio. And so for those of you who don't know him, I wore this shirt specifically for him because he's all about passion. He's all about energy. And you're going to be able to see it and you're going to be able to feel it. He is a uh, uh, hockey shooting skills coach extraordinaire. Uh, he works with a lot of NHLers and a lot of elite hockey players. He helps them with their shot. He helps them with their skills. And as a matter of fact, he's been working with two Montreal Canadiens players over the last little while here. They came in, dropped in to see him in Toronto. Without further ado, Tim Turk, how are you? Well, <clears throat> that is what you call an introduction to a podcast. I almost got up and started dancing, Tony. That was uh, unbelievable. You like the I music or what? Well. I, I yeah. appreciate you having me on board here. That's uh, it's just phenomenal to be here, and and I look forward to talking to you, man. And the last time, last time we spoke, man, we we had a great conversation, and and again, uh, yeah. like you said, the energy and passion. Never mind me. Let's talk about you and your energy and passion to you know wow. to get information out there. So so I I, I gravitate to, uh, to to people like that. 
Thank you, Tim. I really appreciate it. I want to credit uh, Mark Dumont. Uh, you know, we actually do the same thing in a way. Uh, we we talk about the Montreal Canadiens, and uh, he's the one who um, who uh, brought to light the fact that you've been working with Kirby Doc uh, over the last couple of weeks here, or maybe he just left your place in Toronto. So uh, I read Mark's piece and I said, look at that. That firecracker is working with some Montreal Canadiens and I don't know about it. And that's how I found out about it. Uh, so uh, so thank you, Mark, for bringing that to my attention. So here we go. Uh, so I, once again, I read Mark's piece. You worked with uh, Kirby Doc. When was that? Yeah, that was uh, that was about two weeks ago. It was actually in Edmonton. Uh, we were out there. Um, there was like a small group of players out there and uh the funny thing about docker is uh well it's not really funny it's good funny his his passion and energy to to improve or maintain what he does as a elite athlete is way above average tony and and that you know when when players communicate with you and they know what they feel and they know what they want to work on the most uh, and have the ability to explain what that is that makes my job a little bit easier but also challenging to to help them to succeed at what they want to improve at right then and there. Now, have you worked with Doc in the past? Yes, I, I worked. I actually worked with him the year before. I met him the year before, and the same day he got traded. So, oh, is that right? Yeah. So I I kind of knew it was funny. You know, we were stepping on the ice, and that also was in Edmonton, and uh, we were stepping on the ice, and I got a text message of some some rumblings that were going on. You know, it hadn't been. It hadn't been uh, signed and sealed, but it was coming up. And and the person that texted me, I know, uh, has a really good source. And I'm thinking, uh oh, you know, this 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 could be happening. So we jumped on the ice, and and uh, I made a comment to one of the other coaches saying, I think I think Docker's getting traded. I don't know, don't know where, but I you know that that's what's happening. And so it happened when we jumped on the ice, and then I got the uh, I got the actual text that said it yeah it's a done deal and he's going to the Habs and I'm like oh well that's that's awesome because yeah. like I'm like holy shit like excuse my language like they, yeah, they that's need, okay this is podcast they, you can say whatever you want they need like they needed something like in at that time that's what that's what they needed in my in my uh, opinion and uh he was like oh like there, there's a challenge I'm going to to another original six team you know, with a, a passionate fan base that's just gonna just gonna embrace him and what he does, and it's gonna allow him to to succeed all that much more. That's pretty cool. Um, so, when you go to a doctor for a checkup, one of the things that they'll do is they'll check everything, but chances are they'll they'll take a blood test uh, so that they basically have a, a, a picture of what your makeup is and uh, and what's going on. Talk to me about the work that you do with your players. Would it kind of be the same thing that the first time that you see them, you'll you'll probably take some kind of pictures or video of what they do to see, kind of like what a golf instructor does, right? When when you're when you're swinging the ball, well, you know they take video, they sit down, they break it down, they have all these different. Uh, uh, different softwares and stuff like that is is that is that where it starts with you yeah you know it's a two great analogies the first one being the the doctor one and and the second one being the the golf one because uh, uh, shooting a puck is really commonly related to hitting a golf ball the only is the only changes or the only 
differences in, in hockey were moving and golf, you're standing still and trying to do, you know, your best technique that you can and everything, in my opinion, everything people do has a technique to it. The doctor side of things. Yes. You know, I'll take a look at the player. Um, the way that I assess, you know, I, I have what I call NHL protocol assessment and um, observation things that I look for. And it's pretty intricate. You know, a player's hip position versus their shoulder position, you know, the spine angle when they release a puck and how they carry it down the ice, how they prepare it, get it ready. So, you know, when you use the golf as an analogy, one of the things I explain to the players is, you know, a golfer, when they get ready to hit a ball, every golfer has their own individual pre-shot routine, something that they do prior to hitting the ball when they're ready to hit it. So what happens in hockey is, it's kind of similar when a player knows they have the opportunity has just under two seconds, you know, without too much stress to release a puck. They usually do the same preparation before they take their shot. Maybe they stick handle it once. Maybe they stick handle it twice. If you're a Kostitsin brother, you stick handle it 20 times before you take the shot, you know, but they do something common. My job is to make them unpredictable with, with how they prepare it when they get ready and then also, you know, have different variable types of formations and shot types that you can combine all together to allow them to be unpredictable. So that's one of the things I do. But the technique part comes to the doctor analogy. You know, like there's a million, in my opinion, hockey schools and skills coaches are like Tim Hortons. You know, there's one mm -hmm. in every corner and there's six in every hockey rink when you go there. The difference between some skills coaches and others is, uh, you know, we like to, the guys who are at the elite level, the skills coaches, we like to say that we're the surgeon, you know, because we're the, as long as you're teaching a specialty, you know, like there's skills coaches that can say, hey, you know, I can fix your skating, I can fix your shooting, I can fix your stick handling, I can fix your, your mindset, I can fix your yoga, you know, so it's okay, like they have all these things they can offer, but it's the people that, specialize in one skill that gets them above the others to help recognize what these players need. And every player, Tony, is like a friggin' fingerprint. You know, like you can get five docs beside each other and they're all a right-handed shot and they all take a shot and it all looks similar, but the surgeon that's looking at them will, they'll pick out different subtleties because of the way the shot is released and each individual has their own way of doing things. Does that make sense? Yeah, it does make sense. And and I think that's awesome, not only that you help the players with their shot, but what you just said there, that makes a lot of sense to me when you say we want it to be as unpredictable because as good as a shot can be, if a defense and goalie have a time to prepare for it, they're going to get in the way of it, they're going to block it, they're going to stop it, they're going to save it. So if you can make it unpredictable, it increases your chances of scoring goals. So how do you make a shot unpredictable? Would you work on quote-unquote masking a shot? Is that the way it works? Yeah, deception. Yeah, deception is like surprising the goalie is, is, is really important. You know, one of the ways you can – there's a lot of different things you can do, but one of the main um, things that I work on when – when trying to create masking or, or deception or surprising a goalie is, is the a player's arms and levers. Like what, when their arms are 
are out far when they're shooting, it's like a trigger for the goalies to pick up. And and I I need to study goalies like I put a lab coat on and I have to go and study how they do things when the puck's in certain positions, what they look for. You know, one one thing that is happening at, at the goalie instructional area is, you know, like goalies were taught in the old days to right on the puck. Make sure you're right on the puck square, square on the puck because th- that's the best position for you. But now because of the evolution of the shot releases, you know, players are toe dragging it inward. It's coming inward before it gets shot out. So now goalie coaches are saying, well, if there's a 92% chance that that Kirby Doc is a righty is going to pull it in before he shoots, then why would you line up on the puck if he's going to pull it over here? Now we're going to get you to line up between the body and the puck mm-hmm. because it's going to come inward on that. So my job is to now I have to modify or help to make a suggestion to the coach or to the players to change that angle, make it more direct or make it less direct, you know, like a, mm-hmm. a harder angle, you know, like a, a hundred degree angle instead of a 90 degree angle, or, you know, like just change that up a little bit and then don't do an angle at all. Or, you know, there's a, a seven or 8% chance that players, when they shoot, they'll push it away from their body before they shoot. And goalies will look at that and go, Holy F U C K that doesn't look the same as normal. So my job is to introduce that to the players and, and have them have the, the proper preparation, the proper puck positioning and their body like stability to uh, mm-hmm. allow them to have the best shot. So if, if, uh, if I was on skates right now and we had a camera person following us around, it would be easier because you would be able to show us on the ice, how you do this. Um, it's, it's a different concept here. Of course, uh, you're not on the ice, neither am I. Can you begin to explain it to me how you do it? Yeah, absolutely. Like, so my visual on the player is, uh, you know, like the starting point is to get the player to stand stationary. If you can visualize them stationary in a slot mm-hmm. and then I'll feed them pucks. And then when I feed them pucks, like I'm giving these guys at the elite level, you know, it's different with the kids and I'll gauge, I'll gauge my output based on the player's age and level. So, for instance, Kirby Doc's in the slot, and I'm in the corner, and I need to pass some pucks. I to, my first test is how does he control his tension when he's receiving a pass. So I'll slap past the puck. I'm 45 feet away from him, and I'll rip it, like almost as hard as I can, to see how he absorbs the pass and gets it in control or, or how he absorbs it. Quote, unquote, his first touch. Yes, his first touch receiving that actual pass. And then, you know – Preparing it and getting it ready. You know, if, if a player stays tense when that biscuit hits their tape on the first touch, it's, it's gonna it's gonna fly off the stick. Exactly, T. That's exactly what's gonna happen. So I'm checking their absorption, their cushion space, and then then I need to measure the space it takes to shoot the puck. And and what happens when a player shoots the puck on a quick release formation without impacting it, like a not a snapshot, mm-hmm. but like a, a combo wrist snap or a wrister. I call the old school wristers nowadays, I call them silencers because they don't make any sound when they shoot. And that's effective when we play. But what happens to a player when they shoot? So here's the blade. The blade always starts over top of the puck. So the puck, the puck, the puck is hopefully I don't lose you there, buddy. No, no, no. We're we're all good. We're all good. Yeah, don't worry about it. It's water. So so what happens is when the puck is in this position. Okay, now you lost me. Hold on a second. Now you lost me. I think you hit a button. Well, maybe I hit a button. That's not good. 
Nah, that's okay. We can listen. We can fix it. We can fix it. I'm sure we can. The way you were set up before, we just go back and set up again, and you're going to end up coming back on the screen. Let's hope so. Let's hope so. I just put water on my uh, on my screen here, so it's actually pretty funny. <laughs> no kidding. I'm trying. I'm trying to do something here and, and show you something, and I spilled my water. I, my I told you it would have been easier on the ice. See, holy f u c k. Yeah. All, All right. right. So. Maybe okay, we... now I think I got my uh there we, there go. we go. There we go. All okay, right, thank good. the Lord. Thank the okay. Lord. Back. I, back. I never I never had any doubt. Hey, if you could turn guys into 10 goal scorers to 22 goal scorers or 15 goal scorers into 30 goal scorers, you're gonna be able to turn back on a camera. Come on. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. T. So so the whole thing is like when a player shoots a puck, you know, it's kind of the, the blade always starts over top of it. Yes, no matter how much space they take. And then as they transition, the blade goes under. Why do you think the blade goes under while they're shooting? Well, you want to lift the puck. You want to lift the puck. And then what happens is that the, when they decide how high they want it to go, then they get it back over again to kind of like control that, that trajectory of, of how high they want it to go. Some players have issues controlling that trajectory because of the curve on their stick. So theoretically, and I say theoretically, but what you're explaining, you can put spin on a puck. Absolutely. At the end of that, at the end of that actual motion, and that's where the stick kind of like does a, their wrists make it go forward towards the target, and that creates a, a quicker spin off the actual puck. So it's it's kind of like scientific how they do that. So that's mm -hmm. one thing that I look for when I'm doing that evaluation. And it's and sometimes what happens is these players could be a six, seven-year NHL veteran, mm -hmm. and they're doing things naturally and don't realize what they're doing. Sometimes it's really good, and sometimes it needs to be corrected. In the case where it's really good, my job is to get them to connect their mind to what their action is when they're doing that action so they can do it better, enhance it, make it stronger and quicker. So when you started to work with Doc, what was your original assessment of what you saw? So he, I saw huge potential because his, his release had already been in what I call a condensed or compacted area. It's really short. And it's when it's short like that, and, and his was just, his was short, but it was in a, I call it a side position where it was mm -hmm. beside him, you know, not behind him, but beside him. You know, he's, he's pretty elite as it was at the time. So my job at going forward was to take that side position with that really good condensed area and move it frontal a bit get it a little bit closer to the target. And that's what he was, he was working on so hard in the off season. He was like, I, I, I need to keep this buck in a frontal position. But when you get under stress and pressure in certain situations, your body reverts to, and your mind reverts to comfort. So my job is again, to take that, that reversion and minimize it a little bit less and less every time. So that when they do have this stress and pressure, they don't, go back to that comfort. They try and stay when in that same position as they're, they're, they're learning. You know, there are some who have a school of thought and they say you can't teach a player how to score goals. They're born with it. And it's something I've said before, but I know it's not true. I know you can teach a player how to score goals. Now, there are some that are born with a certain gift. I do believe that as well that maybe they might not need eight chances a game to, you know, to score a goal. They'll probably score a goal if they have two chances in a game, right? But the late Mike Bossy, who was as good as they come when it comes to scoring goals, 
50-goal scorer nine years in a row. Think about that for a second. At one point in his after career, he had offered his services to the Montreal Canadiens. Unfortunately, it never worked out. I remember talking with Bossy at his office, and we had a real good chat, and we talked about this, and he said, I can teach them how to score goals. I said, you can teach them how to score goals? He says, yes, I can teach them how to score goals. There are There are techniques as to how you mask your shot. There are techniques as to how you release your shot faster. There are techniques as how you can put some spin on your shot. There's also a knowledge that you can that you can pass on to the players of how to see the game, how to track it, and where to go at the right time because goals are scored from a certain area, right? Yeah. And, you know, we're having this conversation – and, uh, you know, you would have loved a guy like Mike Bossy. And Mike Bossy would have loved a guy like you, I would imagine, because, uh, you know, Bossy was ahead of his time in that respect, right? He was ahead of his time. I'd, I'd waste a wish to meet him. Yeah. And, yeah. and you know that when you bring up – Not sure if you jammed up there, Tim, but if you did um, – Maybe you got to put us on the uh, data or instead of the Wi-Fi, or maybe it's the water that entered your screen. Let's wait one or two more seconds. If not, we'll just bring uh, Tim to the studio room and uh, the green room, we call it, and we'll see if we can uh, we can help him out, Shane. Why don't we do that? Huh? All right, okay. In the meantime, in the meantime, I'll do a little business here as I'll take off the, uh, the sunglasses and I'll put on the reading glasses. And I'll give a shout-out to uh, Murphy Clinic, an aesthetic clinic, specializing in medical aesthetic care. They offer permanent laser hair removal as well as a wide range of treatments for skin problems such as acne, rosacea, fine lines, and more. They currently have two clinics, one located in Montreal Shop Angus and the second on the North Shore in Terban. They're also opening soon in Quebec Cité. Visit murphyclinic.ca or on Instagram at murphyclinic. Once again, for all of you watching live right now on YouTube, Facebook, and Twitter, I know a lot of you want me to one spritz, two spritz. There we go. I uh, I don't know. I did it at one point during the podcast, and everyone liked it so much, and it kind of became like a running gag type of thing. So I do it all the time. Also, give a shout out to OptimalStretchClinic.com, uh, Charlie Cabrera, um, Sam the Man, and their staff. It's it's they specialize in fascial stretch therapy. There aren't too many in the country who do it. Those who do, there aren't too many who do it better. Um, I had experienced, I was experiencing pain at one point. It, some, I don't know, something in my in my wrist. And I thought it was the way I was positioned here on the podcast. And then my neck was hurting me. And Charlie happened to be watching. Now, Charlie works with the best of the best in the city. Like he works with the George St. Pierre's of the world and all that stuff and elite athletes. And, um, and Charlie was watching and he said, I can get rid of your pain. The pain that was in my wrist and a pain that was uh, down my neck and, 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 and um, higher back. And um, I said, yeah. And he said, yeah, come on down. And um, I had never heard of them at the time. And then after, as I started to do my research, I clearly saw that, wow, okay, these guys, yeah, this looks like the real deal. And then I uh, sat in their, uh, in their, in their, uh, in their studio per se. And then I quickly realized they were the real, anyway, he did his thing and he said, uh, by tomorrow, your pain, will, your pain will be gone. And I figured, yeah, like, where have I heard this before, right? 
And by the next day, my pain was gone. All right. Uh, so uh, that's what happened. So anyway, they're at uh, their one stop shop. They do fascial stretch therapy. They have osteo services. They have cupping. They have acupuncture. They have a deep tissue sports massage. Uh, and you can check them out at 4710 St. Ambroise in Point St. Charles. 4710 St. Ambroise at Point St. Charles. Uh, let me uh, just uh, send. Uh, uh, here, we'll get uh, Tim back on. All right. He's having a uh, he's having a computer issue, I think. All right, okay. He's having a computer issue. So, in the meantime, Shane, why don't you uh, you want to join me or what? What's the story here? Maybe Shane can join me because he's waiting for Tim to log back on. Is that it? I, that could be it. But listen, uh, I had a chance to talk to. Oh, he's there. All right, okay. So, uh, I'll tell you right now, uh, Kirby Doc is not the only Montreal Canadian that he had a chance to work with over the last month. Okay. There's another one which he'll bring to your attention uh, in about a minute or so. All right. He's back. Okay. Good. We got you back. No biggie. It gave me an opportunity to do a little bit of business here and to pay the bills. All right. Okay. Yes. So, uh, yeah, you were, we were talking about the late Mike Bossy, and you were saying that, uh, you, you know what, you, 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 that would have been a wish of yours to meet someone like him. I was just telling everyone watching that uh, Kirby Doc's not the only Montreal Canadian that you worked with eh, in the last month? No, no. I work with uh, one of my favorite players ever to work with is uh, Brendan Gallagher. And he he epitomizes the uh, the way to become a an NHL player, in my personal opinion. You know, like the, the, whenever I go back, I keep telling the same – thing about you know this guy's projected he's a fifth i think he was a fifth rounder wasn't he, he was he was a fifth round pick yes yeah so he was a fifth round pick and i remember i remember the first development camp i had the opportunity to meet him at contrary to dark to, to doc by the way if i can and, and i know most people know this but think about this all right six foot four kirby doc center uh, at best i would say five foot nine Winger and Brendan Gallagher. If he stretches. Yes. Kirby Doc, first round pick. Brendan Gallagher, fifth round pick. Kirby Doc, third overall. Uh, so, you know, two different packages there, two different profiles, two different players. And, uh, but you were saying about Gallagher? Yeah, I just remember, you know, after he did his bridge deal and, and um, you know, I get, I don't, I don't get too personal with players too often. You know, you, so you build up this relationship of, you know, shooting coach and client or yeah. shooting coach and player. And, you know, but with him, it's business. You, know, you remember his projection? I think the projection was, if I'm not mistaken, like a, maybe, maybe a second line player at the American Hockey League level, maybe, you know, and, and his, his will to, want to be an NHL player in my, in all the guys I've worked with in my whole career, his, his is unmatched. He, he basically knew he was going to be an NHL player and he, he actually kind of like willed it and made it happen based on his work ethic and, and, and the style that he plays and so on. And yeah. then I had the chance finally to a few years back and we sat down at, at a dinner at Pat Quinn's place in, uh, in Tawasson, British Columbia. And I said, listen, like, like, I know you don't, talk like this too much but but like what what was it like like 
like, you know, to, to finally make it like how he goes, Turkey. He's like, he, I knew, I knew I was, I knew I was going to get here. I, I knew it. But then when I did get here and I thought I was full time, then Habs drafted another right winger. And then, and then, and then all of a sudden there's, you know, the depth chart in the NHL, you got four right wingers and then there's four in the American hockey league. And then there's four in the East coast hockey league. And then there's four prospects that are coming up through and then they draft a second rounder right winger. And it's like, I need to work extra hard just to stay. Yeah. I want to maintain my career. Yeah. I have to, I have to stay and I have to keep giving a reason for someone to want to put me on the ice. And that's what he said. And I'm like, Holy shit. Like it's true. Yeah. You know, like, anyways, I, I have nothing but positive things to say about Brandon yeah, yeah. Gallagher. No, it's a big his... picture. But we, we we haven't finished with Doc, but while we're on Gallagher, and we'll get back to Doc in a second, though, Gallagher for a couple of seasons in a row, you know, was not only a National Hockey League player for several seasons. He was one of the most trusted players on the Montreal Canadiens, playing on a line with Phil Deneau and Thomas Tatar. Uh, their Corsi numbers were absolutely great. And for a couple of seasons in a row, Brendan Gallagher scored over 30 goals in the National Hockey League. Not the biggest guy, not the toughest guy, not the hardest shot, not the best shot, a heck of a lot of heart, but he did score some goals because of that wrister, because of that shot. And then unfortunately for him, I think he fractured his hand on a couple of occasions. Now, was there, correct me if I'm wrong, but after fracturing his hand on a couple of occasions, how much does that impede your ability to shoot the puck the way you used to? And were there special exercises that you or someone that you know did with him to try and reinforce those hands again? Yeah, it does impede things. You know, it it restricts motion patterns and mobility and flexibility in, in the wrist action there. Plus, plus this, like, everything goes right back to the mind. Everything's connected back to the mind. And, you know, he would say that it didn't consciously affect his ability to react on the ice, but it, it did unconsciously affect it in the mind. You know, you have in the back of your mind that, you know, what I was used to doing is a little bit different now because, uh, because of my injury and the, and the stress that it caused on his hand and wrist. So it did make a difference uh, as far as exercises, uh, the chop shop. Those guys are those guys are the best in there. Uh, when Grammar was there, they 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 did a. I thought they did a really good job. And then you know then it came to a point where it was like, um, like let's protect this. Like how can we protect it to make the mind feel better? So they built a custom glove, you know, to to help with the, with the, with the actual. They call it a shot blocking glove. Yeah. Uh, even though he's not trying to put his hand in front of a puck. Yeah, you I know, hear you. And it sucks that you know that that happens, but but that's how these players persevere through things. T. Yeah. And you know, prior to it's 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 kind of really cool how you know, hey, I know when I first met him, and then that's the chance that I got to you know, I was accepted in in the NHL community at that point when when Gallagher was drafted that year. Was that two thousand ten or nine? When was he drafted? He was in 2010 or something like oh, that. I, I can't tell you at 100% for certain, uh, but uh, it sounds about right. But uh, you know but, what? But I'm going gonna, gonna to look it up right now. So okay, well, whatever, that year, whatever that year was, Tony, that's the year where, where I feel 10, like. 2010. It was 10? Yeah. So 
Yeah, what what like that that particular year for me, you know, 13 years ago, that that was a like that that for me was like I had already worked with with the Sabers, you know, like unofficially, and then I worked with the Flyers unofficially yeah. I, with a bunch of players. It was, and then all of a sudden, uh, I get the chance to go with the Habs, and Trevor Timmins was a was a catalyst to bringing me over there. And then, and then I like I it was like I got accepted. And my point is this, you know, in they they allowed me to sit in on the exit interviews with all the players after the development camp, and oh, that's great. And, and yeah, and with and with Brendan, you know, he he knew he had to work on his shot. So then it was like, let's, 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 let's work with Turkey more. Like we're at Turkey. Where are you going to be? This is right in the meetings, with the coaches and the management team. And, and, and I'm like, well, Hey man, I'm, I'm traveling all over the place. He goes, well, I don't care. I'll come wherever you're, wherever you are. And so he ended up following me around just to keep, keep maintaining and, and learning these specific motion patterns Amazing. to allow him to become more, more consistent with it because it felt good. So fast forward, go ahead. Yeah, you, No, you just said something that piqued my curiosity here because you were part of those exit meetings. He wanted to get you more involved. He wanted to work with you more. Trevor Timmons uh, was able to uh, bring you to the attention of the Montreal Canadiens, so you're very involved. Today, the Canadians have their own development coach, Adam Nicholas. Um, and I'm wondering... How are the lines of communication between you and Adam? Like, does Adam know that you've been working with Kirby Doc, and does he know that you've been working with Brendan Gallagher? And if so, is if is he already feeding you some information to say, hey, by the way, this is what I see, or this is what I think you should work on? Does is the, does that happen? No, uh, you would assume it, it should, but but in that case, there, yeah, no, I have had no no interaction with Adam, but but hey maybe they have their own thing going on there, Tony, like that's, that's fine. And, and these players sometimes, sometimes what they want to do is it's like, Hey, yeah, I do work with this particular skating coach. I work with this particular shooting coach or whatever skills coach it is. And they like to keep it a little bit of a secret. They, you know, they like to, they, they don't want to make it public, you know? Mm -hmm. and, and it's funny because when Dumi, when uh, Mark Dumont, when he asked, you know, can I, can I do a, you know, like a, an actual, Piece story can i yeah. do something i go i need to ask docker first you know so so I sent a yeah i sent a message to him saying hey this is what's happening he goes thanks for letting me know turkey that's okay you know as long as it's him that's okay and and, and that's what these players want they want their feedback and so on but i wanted while i was thinking about gallagher prior prior to his his first 30 goal season that he got you know working on the techniques and and the puck positioning is always something you can do extra. There's always a progression based on the evolution of the game, based on the evolution of the equipment, based on the evolution of the player's mindset and, and stuff like that. So we always progressed. And then I was like, I got to a point where I was like looking at his video and I'm like, man, you get a lot of chances in tight and, and you're not elevating the puck. You're not getting it up with the, you know, you're getting good chances and the technique's really good but the puck's not doing what you want it to do. So, so I think we need to make a modification to your stick. So then it started when, when he, you know, he's like, well, what do I need to do? I go, well, we need to, we need to modify the pattern a little bit to get it to, to get it to lift the puck, like take it from a seven iron to an eight iron in a certain area of the stick. We did that that first year. And then he was like, holy shit. Like, like now, and, and, and my job is to make sure Tony, that it's like when these guys need to shoot a puck, they just pick it up and put it where they want it to go. They put it over here. They put it over there, but they're shooting it. 
but, mm-hmm. but they can do it naturally with the wrist action that I was telling you about to get that trajectory. So that was the first season. And then the second season, it was like, man, it's like, I still feel like when I'm in certain situations, when I get to my backhand, when I get on my backhand, I can't get enough spin on the puck to get it to go quick to the net. So I was like, well, let's add another modification to your, to your stick. Let's try. So we just did this little teeny, like, like in this, in this part of the blade here, like, so, so this, this toe is actually the one that he used in the second year with his curve. So mm-hmm. we kind of see, you can see how there's a little bit more here than there is up here. Yes. So on an angle there. Yes. So when he gets his backhand, as the puck leaves the back of the blade, it travels on, on more of the blade. So it spins more. And that's wow. what we did. That's what we did the second. It's it's little modifications. All right. So look, I, I, we're all different. And, and, uh, you know, our, our, our body composition is different. Uh, the way we move is different. So I, I think it's safe to say that the shot that you teach is not the same shot for everyone, right? So what you're teaching Kirby Doc to do, chances are Brendan Gallagher is not shooting the puck the same way you're asking Kirby Doc to shoot it, right? So, Mike, is it or is it not? And and if so, what's the difference? Yeah, I know it's completely different. Yeah, completely it's, different. Uh, yeah, like like uh, you know, like like I said before, these guys are like fingerprints. So when when they have the most players when they when they're going down the ice, it's common when they're traveling lat or going like linear, but they do lateral movement down the ice. The puck is kind of like in a frontal position. So are you a lefty or a righty, Tony? Lefty. You're a lefty. So if you're skating straight down the ice, whether you're crossing over or not, normally the puck's located right in front of your left foot. So 12 o'clock would be right in the middle. For you, you're carrying it between 11 and 12 o'clock, you know, like just off of your front toes up there, up in that frontal area. Righties, it's opposite. Righties, yeah. it's on the right foot. Shoot left, golf left, everything else is right. Well, there's, I knew there was something wrong. Yeah. <laughs> so so these guys, when they, when they now, now they got to go shoot it. So they don't shoot it from way up there. Now they got to take it where people say, I got to bring it back to a shooting position. I got to get it to the side of me somewhere. And most players, that preparation process can make or break how quick they release a puck. So what I try and do, Docker, Docker's, he his position is not, he's a righty, so his position is not between 12 and 1. He carries it at 2 o'clock. Got it. So it's a little bit closer to where he would need to shoot it, or, or he just leaves it at 2 o'clock and jumps into it and just leaves it there because it's already pre-prepared. So Galley is also a righty. His was more towards the middle of his body up front. So it took a little bit more time for him to get it over there. So then my part of my job is to say, hey, let's see if you can carry the puck closer to your release point, fellas, instead of, you know, instead of trying to overhandle it or take more time to release it. And that's one of the differences between them is that where they – carry the puck getting ready to shoot and then Mm -hmm. when they do shoot you know brendan takes like 18 inches to shoot a puck and docker takes 12 inches so you were you were in uh alberta and you were in alberta gallagher and then after gallagher left then then docker arrived with his uh with his brother is that correct no i was in i was the the two weeks before i was in vancouver and tawasson oh you were in vancouver with brendan yeah, Vancouver with Brendan, and then two weeks after, I was in Edmonton with Docker. And okay, and th- those groups are those groups are set up um, sometimes by them, and sometimes by their agent, sometimes by their parents, 
it just depends on, uh, in, in this particular case, uh, these last two sessions was set up by their, their agent, their agent. Mm-hmm. I got it. Um, will you be seeing them again this summer? Uh, no, no, I won't be seeing them this summer, but I will be visiting them. Uh, they've already said, come and swim. We're in Toronto, come down and visit us. And sometimes what happens with these players, Tony is even throughout the season, I don't like to interrupt what's going on because of all that, you know, they get all their correctives from their coaching and, and normally when that someone needs to be corrected during the season, it's not a good one. It's, you know, it's all negativity to, to turn into a positive. But sometimes what they'll do is say, you know, I got a, I got a call from a player this season um, that's uh, an elite prospect that you know, he got drafted uh, 14th overall to Pittsburgh. He's a guy that calls me up and I'm, I'm like going, it's during the year. You know, you're, you know, so I'll pick up the phone. I'm like, hey, man, how's it going? He's like, better. I just want to hear your voice. See ya. Boom. You know, so it's it's kind of like a fix where where it's like, hey, when Turkey had said something, it's a reminder. It gets them to recall the things that we work on without saying, hey, do this, 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 and this, because the coach is saying, hey, look how far out of position you were on this one or whatever. Does that make sense? It makes total sense. Before we let you go, I'm going to put you on the spot. But you're a big boy, so I, I know you can you can take it. Um. Kirby Doc had one of his better offensive years last year. Based on the short amount of time that you worked with him and what you saw and some of the changes, modifications that you did with him, can this guy be a natural goal scorer going forward or that's just not him? Well, if if that is getting put on the spot, but you want to, if I can get Victor Mete to score a goal before he sets a fucking record that everyone wanted him to set and not be be that player who was the longest running hab without scoring a goal. If I can do that, then I believe I can answer your question. And I, yeah, if, if he, so Docker's getting more climatized into his environment there. He's yeah. becoming more comfortable, you know, his, his, when he's attacking, now, you know, he's keeping his puck in a good position. His confidence is elevating. And based on our discussions this year, um, I, I feel that I feel that before not too long, he could be a natural goal scorer uh, where he'll be a threat every time he's on the ice. And if he doesn't score, he's going to produce second chance opportunities because of his this style of release. If it's not going to go where he needs it to go, depending on the pressure and the situation, it's going to come back in a healthy position where, where hopefully, depending on how he's configured, you know, that's that's up to Marty and the boys. But but I don't know how he's going to be configured, but I know that he knows that he needs to do well to continue to, to stay in the National Hockey League. If you see one position in Kirby Doc, do you see winger or center? Uh, I see him. I see him turning that. I see the team, and this this might be a little scapegoat here, but I see the team strategically putting him on the wing in a certain situation to show that, and then getting for get the center getting forced out for him to step in, and then and then do a set play from there. So I would prefer him to to be a winger, in my opinion because his ability to separate players from pucks and dissect them in the corners is, is way above average for his size. So I would like him to go a little bit more in the corners and, and come out with the puck. 
and then take the middle lane, take that middle lane, you know, on the rush, you know, and then, and then shoot the puck. And we talked about, we talked, I talked about it a couple of times in a few situations where, you know, recognizing one of the things we worked on is, uh, is do preemptive scanning, you know, so, so be more aware of, of who's on and what's around you. And if, if he has a chosen, if he's chosen a situation where he's matched up with, you know, the fourth or fifth or third or fourth D pairing, and then those guys are horny to get on the puck right away or very excited to go on the puck, shoot it from the perimeter, turn them around, and then use your ability. Like he's starting to lower his posture, Tony. When you lower your posture, you move quicker and you're more stable. So turn those efforts around and then attack. They don't know where you're coming from. Got it. You know, and he, he'll do that. He'll be, he, he'll be uh, an effective player, I think, if he stays healthy. So the second question and final question here of putting you on the spot is um, a lot of people don't think that Brendan Gallagher can get back to his scoring ways. I mean, one of it, you know, part of it has to do with the injuries to his hands, which is significant. The other part of it has to do with, uh, you know, as you get older and you break down a little bit more and the truck ends up in the garage for repairs a little bit more. The truck's never new, right? It's always a repair truck. So it's, it's you know, the, the law of, of physics kicks in. Um, but what can you see though? Could, can you, you know, there's, there's not too many people that would bet on him being able to score goals again at the national hockey league level. Uh, but there weren't a lot of people who saw him playing in the national hockey league and he did. And I'm sure there weren't a lot of people who saw him playing at one point on the first line and he did. And I'm sure there wasn't anybody who thought he could score 30 goals besides maybe himself and you, and he did. Can you see him get back though to scoring what? somewhat regularly without being a 30 goal scorer. Yep. Let's I just can. say a 20 goal score. If I told you, do you, could you see him being a 20 goal scorer? Yeah. If he gets, if he gets his regular shift time, uh, the thing about Galley is, is, is his, uh, his tenacity to succeed, his, his, uh, his willingness to, to win at everything. And before I get to how I think that's going to happen, you know, I've been blessed to be able to, when I work out there with him, he keep, takes me into his home. And, you know, he's got this games room, Tony, upstairs. Mm-hmm. And there's there's a ping pong table or whatever you want to call it, table yeah. table. I call it ping pong. I'm an old yeah, school. Yeah, so guy. do I, yeah. So I, I'm, I'm like, let's have a game. He's like, okay, let's have a game. So I, I, I used to be a pretty good ping pong player back in my day, and I could hit a ball if I need to. And I thought I was pretty good. You know, so we play our first game. Uh, you know, we just do the, you know, when you just like tap it yeah, back. You're rallying. You're rallying. Yeah. Yeah. We're rallying. Exactly. We're rallying. So he's like, okay, Turkey, let's make it real. I'm like, what the fuck are you talking about? He goes, well, let's have a game. Let's keep score. I'm like, okay, let's fucking go. You prick. I got you. Like, because that's, you know, that's, that, that's challenge. Let's challenge. Let's go. So we, we, we play this. We're playing and okay. 21 to two. He wins 21 to two. So I'm like, okay, you little effer, let's go again. Give me another chance. He goes, all right, let's go. So 21 to 1, he beats me 21 to 1. So I'm like, okay, third game, if I don't get five, if I don't get five points, then I quit and I'm never playing again. He goes, okay, let's go. So 21 to 5. I'm like, I'm fuck, I'm coming back. I'm coming back. I go, let's keep going. One more. You know what he did? He went like this. He took the club from his right hand and put it in his left hand. Let's go. And I'm like, you little P-R-I-C-K, like, holy, and he beat me 21 to like four with his left hand. 
these professional athletes. Yes. There's a competitive fire that burns within them that we cannot, the average Joe cannot possibly comprehend. When you add to that a player who's 5'7", 5'8", 5'9", who no one ever thought would be drafted in the National Hockey League besides himself, their competitive fire is probably double what the competitive fire of any other professional athlete would be because or else they would have never made it. They had to be like that. This, this story this, doesn't this doesn't this surprise guy, me. This guy, Tony, I'm telling you right now, he takes the word routine and he th- shits on it. He shits on routines. Yeah. His his word is ritual. He he has his his ritual for doing things is so passionate that it's it I look forward to working with him because he makes me better. He challenges me to make him better, which makes me better. You know, and that's for everyone that's around him in that group. And you cannot, his off-ice regimen, you can't get in that group unless you try and outwork Brendan Gallagher. If you so, don't try, if you don't try and outwork that guy anywhere, then then F off. He's like, get get out of here. You know, like it's just not worth you coming in to try and, and get in our group. So he, in ending, Tim Turk prefers to see Kirby Doc as a winger. Correct? I do, but he can take the draw but he can take the draw and Tim Turk predicts Brendan Gallagher will score. Absolutely. You give me a number. I can't give you a number, but I know but, it's going to be more than last year, but Tim Turk is confident that Brendan Gallagher can score 20 goals again in the national hockey. League. Yeah. His fires relit after all this. That's awesome. Hey, uh, I told everyone you were all about passion and energy and, uh, and I think everyone had a chance to see it. And uh, if they're going to be listening online, they'll have a chance to hear it. Tim, it's always a pleasure, and uh, and and I hope we can do this more often over the course of the season. I'm here for you, man. I appreciate it. Last time we spoke, you asked, you got me to predict about David DeHarnay and yeah. Ryan White. You remember hey, that? I remember what a memory you have, and I remember that for sure. Yeah, I remember that. Uh, speaking of which, DeHarnay, uh, Vincent DeHarnay, who plays for the Edmonton Orders, right? I'm gonna bring. I'm gonna bring him. I'm going to bring you to his attention I'm going to, because uh, you, you do a lot of camps out of Edmonton, right? Yeah, absolutely. So I had a chance to meet him and talk to him, and uh, I'll bring him to your uh, to your attention. Hey, Tim, a lot of fun. Thanks so much, man. I appreciate it, Tony. Thanks for having me, buddy. You're very welcome. There you have it. Shooting skills coach Tim Turk, who had a chance to work in the last month with Montreal Canadiens forwards Brendan Gallagher and Kirby Doc. You heard what he had to say. I hope you enjoyed this this podcast as much as I did. If you like it, like it, share it with your friends. Comment sick, S-I-C-K, S-I-C-K, S-I-C-K. And if you're going to listen to us on Apple Podcasts, leave us a five-star review. It's our way of feeling the love. Marinaro, one spritz, two spruits, passion and energy. I'm out. For Shane Gomo at Master Control, as well as Juliana and Yellow and Sammy Cavallaro, I'm Marinaro. And that's a wrap. Hope you don't miss us too much until next time. Follow the Sick Podcast with Tony Marinero on YouTube, Instagram, Facebook, Google Play, and Apple Podcasts. The Sick Podcast is brought to you by Energy Transportation Group. Driven to be different. LaVita.tv. Embrace your true nature. And Playground, your premier gaming destination.